It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm Rylan Stiles, and this is the Book of Thunder Basketball, going through every era of the franchise since they moved to Oklahoma City. In today's era, we're going to go over the Brody era, which was centered all around Russell Westbrook. And who better to join us on today's show than Brady Trantham, who spent the better part of the last three years around this team every single day. Brady, how are you doing today? All doing well, just uh, enjoying another warm day in Oklahoma City and uh, getting some podcasting in because uh, we're getting a little bit closer to basketball. Um, more information's coming out, seems like every hour, every day. So it, it's starting to feel like it's almost that time again. So it's good to get back in the swing of talking about uh, Thunder Hoops. So our audience should know you by now. Of course, you hosted Locked on Thunder. But uh, just for, for the audience out there, when did you start covering the Oklahoma City Thunder? And what's been your career since then? Yeah, um, covering them in person, basically uh, the offseason after Kevin Durant left, so basically around the time that this entire podcast is centered around the time frame, uh, that's when I started going to practices. Uh, that's when I got a, a, you know, a handful of like uh, Thunder game day credentials when the Thunder PR staff were like, yeah, let's just give this kid a, let's give him a chance, you know, make sure he doesn't fanboy out or make a fool of himself. And apparently I didn't make – make myself to be a fool that much because the following season I got a little bit more access and it's just kind of been going from there. Uh, just uh, the pure joy of basically realizing that on home games when the Thunder are in Oklahoma City that that's my office. I get to go to the arena for free and sit down and watch a basketball game and ask questions before, during, and after. And uh, I love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the hell out of it. So, Brady, I've been following your work since you were at uh, Thunder Digest with the Peak and Roll podcast. And oh. Moving over. <laughs> well, that's way <laughs> back in the day for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was back in the blog boy days uh, uh, before I was – I mean, I think I was – yeah, I think I was, like, covering the team in person when I was with Digest still. And then, of course, I'm with 107.7, the franchise now. But, yeah, I just um, – every once in a while, I'll go back and read some old stuff that I wrote if I can find it. And I just – like everybody else, if you've ever done something and then years later you go back to it, you just can't help but go, gosh, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been following you for a long time. I've got your post notifications on because you're always one of the first people to have whatever news is coming out of the Thunders camp out there. So I've appreciated well, you. your work through the, through the time that we we're going to be talking about here. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at the peak pretty soon if we can – get back there hopefully we'll see anybody at the peak pretty soon <laughs> yeah that, that's true uh, but let, let's just dive right into it and let's start this era by moving backwards which is kind of what you always have to do and when the thunder blew the 3-1 lead to the warriors whenever that final buzzer sounded and that was the decision uh, the, the series was over where did you fall on kevin durant's decision did you think that he would return did you think that he would leave did you think he was gonna go to the Warriors what were you feeling whenever the Thunder blew that lead so um, usually what I'll tell people when we talk about you know the Western Conference Finals um, and it kind of gets into the my angle of like where I, what I was doing was I covering the team at the time and yes I was 
I had to live tweet game six for Thunder Digest count, uh, the infamous game six where Clay Thompson went off. And so back in those days, I really balanced out being a fan of the Thunder. Because, uh, I, I mean, I grew up a Miami Heat fan once I got into basketball because there was no local team in Oklahoma to root for. And then the Thunder came to town, and I kind of rooted for both teams. LeBron James went to the Heat. I wasn't a gigantic LeBron fan. So at that point, I went all in with the Thunder and was kind of Thunder until I die. Up until I started uh, deciding that I wanted to do this as a profession, and I kind of shed my fan skin as much as I could. But Game 6 and Game 7 were about the last times that I ever watched a Thunder game as a fan. And so immediately after game seven, if you're asking me that question, I was super pessimistic and cynical about everything. Like Kevin Durant's going to leave. Russell Westbrook's going to leave. The Thunder are going to be awful. They're never going to be good again. And now a lot of that was just sour grapes because I just saw my favorite team blow a 3-1 lead and blow a chance to possibly go win a championship. But as we get further along into the, that offseason, I think as I got removed from like the sadness of seeing a team blow a 3-1 lead, I got more and more, oh, he's – Kevin's not leaving the Thunder. Like, there's just no – like, he's not going to go to Boston. He doesn't want to go to the Wizards. He's not going to go to the Spurs. Like, the Thunder own the Spurs when Kevin Durant is healthy. And he is for surely not going to Golden State because that has never happened. A, a, a great player on a great team has never left for an equally great team, possibly even better team, especially one that just won 73 games and just beat him in a playoff series. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, you know, right when July 4th rolled around him, woke up and 10 o'clock rolled around and that player's tribune article came out. I was just as shocked as everybody else. What were you doing whenever you found out that, that Kevin Hart was going to the wars? Where did you read that article at? It's actually at my parents' house. Uh, Cause as, as we know, that was on July 4th. So July 3rd, I was probably uh, partying a little bit with my parents and uh, slept a little late. So you can just, you know, you can draw your own conclusions as to what I was doing the night before, but um, I woke up and I was actually planning on meeting some friends for a July 4th cookout. And we were going to meet up like around 11 or 12 and then go to the, go to the house party. And I think the article rolled out around 10 or 1030 in the morning. And so basically it just ruined my day. I met up with my friend, Matt, it ruined his day. And then we got to the, uh, July 4th party, you know, everyone's supposed to be like, it's July 4th. We're all having a good time and everyone's bummed. They're just like, Wow. It's over. It truly is over. And then that's when the David Aldridge uh, tweets were coming out that the Thunder were actively trying to trade Russell Westbrook immediately after. And so it just was like, wow, everything that we used to know and, and enjoy as Thunder basketball fans is just dead. In the blink of an eye, it, it felt like everything was falling apart. Uh, but then you get the Russell Westbrook Instagram post about the cupcakes and uh, now he does what he wants. And, and we start diving into that season preseason that year did you expect obviously no one expected the triple doubles but what did you expect that team to look like because on paper they didn't look like a good team the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, I'd probably just say I was extremely excited about the thought uh, of Victor Oladipo in a Thunder uniform. And of course, that was with the caveat of, man, Victor Oladipo on a Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook team 
would be great. Like I love Victor Oladipo coming out of the draft or coming out of college out of Indiana when he was drafted. Um, I always knew that it's unfortunate he gets drafted by Orlando. You're just never going to really fully see his potential unless he gets traded out of there. Unfortunately, he was traded out of there, and now we know the great player that he is capable of being with the Indiana Pacers. Um, but even though Kevin Durant's gone out of this scenario, I was still excited to see Russell Westbrook and Victor Lodipo play on the same team. Um, I was excited about that. I was excited about the growth of Steven Adams because I don't know if you remember this, Rylan, but it seems like everybody and their dog thought Steven Adams was like on a rocket ship to great <laughs> NBA stardom from that Western Conference Finals performance. Yes. And a lot of it had to do with just the fact that he matched up fairly well and continues to match up fairly well against the Golden State Warriors when they, even when they're healthy just because of his ability as a two-way player. And while it's not great to watch him get matched up against Steph Curry, you can still somewhat live with it. It's not a terrible matchup like it can be with any other seven-footer out there in the NBA. But um, while I understood that there weren't going to be any Western Conference Finals runs, uh, championship runs, it was going to be different. We already kind of saw two years before uh, the injury year in 2014-15 uh, what a Russell Westbrook-led team uh, was capable of. And I don't know about you, but I had a lot of fun watching that. So I assumed I'm excited to watch Victor Oladipo with the Thunder. I'm excited to watch Stephen Adams. And I'm, I'm excited to watch Russell Westbrook uh, unleashed. So it's interesting you say fun. How would you describe that triple-double season? Because to me, the only thing you can say is that it was fun. It kind of felt like this year where, all right, Kevin Durant's gone. So anything that happened kind of felt like house money. There was no longer that pressure to go win a title, to uh, go be one of the best teams in basketball. You were just trying to rally around Russell Westbrook and, and your franchise, and whatever happened, happened. It turned out to be one of the greatest seasons we're ever going to see from a single player. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it was just fun. And like I said, that's, this is around the time where I stopped really being a Thunder fan and tried my best to cover the team as unbiased as possible. And that, like, again, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm from Oklahoma. I want to see my home state do as well as it possibly can and no matter what. And so there's always going to be a part of me that wants to see the Thunder be a part of the conversation in the, in the NBA because it's good for my home state. Um, but even with all that being said, it was impossible not to just pay attention to the Thunder that year or Russ Westbrook and not just come away with a gigantic smile on your face because it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't the beautiful game like the Spurs when they were winning their championships, or even this Thunder offense this year with Chris Paul running the show, it wasn't beautiful by any means, but gosh, it was, it was just incredible to see one player just will his team at times to victories so physically, so emotionally, so viscerally like Russell Westbrook is able to do. And that's why, that's why his fans will die for him because of how emotional and how visceral he is on the floor it's just like with Allen Iverson fans it was kind of the same thing just not as overtly physical because Allen Iverson is smaller and skinnier than Russell um, but his fans still defend him so emotionally even to this day um, it was hard not to get caught up in that and when you're covering the team every single day um, you're not trying to perpetuate any narratives by any means you're not trying to subscribe to team friendly narratives by any means but it's impossible to not get caught up in just the greatness that it was the historical greatness that it was uh, being a, the first triple-double season since Oscar Robinson uh, back in the day. Uh, so that's just, like the way I've always kind of viewed it is that was my first season covering an NBA team on the ground every single day, and that's something I'm never going to forget. And what a season for your first time for that to be. So you say narrative, and I just want to know where you fall on this. 
the stat padding argument about Russ's triple doubles and if his MVP should have, you know, been awarded to him, the stat padding, blah, blah, blah. What would you say to people who think that his triple double success was just from stat padding? Well, then I would ask them about their favorite player. And then I just ask them, do you think your favorite player doesn't stat pad either? It's it, to me, every single player hunts stats. They, they, they clearly do. I've seen every single big time player you just name one i can tell you an example where they're during a time stoppage they're looking at a box score and you can hear them because sometimes i'm able to sit at press row close to the floor and i can hear them talk on the floor about how i need to get more rebounds or i'm three assists away from double digits like i it doesn't matter any great player hunts for stats i think when you get the stigma of being a stat hunter it's are you chasing these numbers at the detriment of your own team if that that would be the next question that people would ask to russell westbrook fans and the numbers speak for themselves when the thunder um when russell westbrook would triple double the thunder had an 86 or plus percent winning percentage so the numbers speak for themselves i can think of maybe one or two examples where he hunted for a triple double or hunted for a particular number at the detriment of his team one of them was that season against phoenix later in the year I believe it was the uh, game where he uh, statistically finished, or I think he statistically clinched finishing the season with a triple-double. There was like four or five games left on the road in Phoenix, and the Thunder just got destroyed by a terrible Suns team. Um, but those are just one or two examples. Everything else, the Thunder win, and that's the bottom line. That's what anyone cares about. And Russell kind of understood, like, if I'm going to be historically significant, it's going to be because of this. And... Just like he told me in the locker room one time, I'll never forget this. I asked him, "Do you th have you been able to take stock in what you've been able to accomplish with the triple-double? And he was like, not really. And at some point, it'll hit me. And just like it's going to hit everybody else. And I 100% agree with him. At some point, even those that are hardcore against him will at least have to acknowledge the fact that the dude was special. And I don't know if we're ever going to see anything like that as consistently as Russell was um, able to do ever again. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't get why or how the, the media got so crazy with that narrative of, like, if you asked somebody in that time period, they would have made it sound like Steven Adams was letting a ball bounce to the floor just so Russell Westbrook could go scoop it up for the rebound instead of Steven getting it himself. Like, it was, an it was a crazy narrative to me. Yeah, and Billy Donovan that entire year, I mean, and he was exactly right. This was not Billy Donovan just saying a company line. The Thunder are much better when Russell Westbrook has the ball in the open floor. The Thunder, historically, especially with Russell Westbrook running the show, are never really a good half-court offense, and we all know the reasons for that. When Russell Westbrook is able to get the rebound and just build, basically run straight at full speed, the Thunder are a significantly better offense, so it's it's better for the Thunder for Steven Adams to you know, box out for Russell to get the ball or tap a rebound to Russell so that he can get the ball quicker. It's just the numbers all supported that if the Thunder want to win this game, it has to be 100% through Russell Westbrook. I think where the media gets their negative connotations with Russell, 
you know, is twofold. One, he's not the easiest guy to cover on a day-to-day basis. And even if you're a member of the local media who have a better understanding of where he's coming from, because we talk to him every day, we don't just thrive off of a, a preconceived notion and then swoop in for like a week to do a story with that same notion, no matter what he tells you, and then leave with the same notion. So he's not the easiest guy to cover, and that can rub people the wrong way and give you a negative connotation moving forward. But then also, the NBA, how it's run, the rings culture, you know, we know, and everybody knows what systems work and win championships. And a lot of it deals with team basketball and having a very flexible roster, versatile roster. And we've seen with Russell running the show, it's fun to watch. It's entertaining as hell but it certainly has a ceiling on it. And I think people and media, when they're covering a player or they're trying to compare players, they just kind of dumb it down to which player can better win a championship. So I'm going to go the other way, even though that other way was typically James Harden. And he's had about as much postseason success as Russell Westbrook has had. So take us inside the Thunder locker room real quick. Whenever it's Russell Westbrook at the podium, you're there with Barry, you're there with Barry Trammell. Is there as much tension as it feels like there is on TV whenever you're actually there? Oh, yes. <laughs> now, and the weird thing was it's, it was really ever hard to predict because you'd think if the Thunder have a big victory, you know, like a nice win where not just Russell has a great game, but, you know, Stephen Adams has like 20 and 15. Uh, Paul George had a near triple-double. You think, okay, everyone's going to be nice. Everyone's going to be in good spirits and a good cheery mood and – you know, give us our silly quotes, then get the hell out of there so they can go enjoy themselves with their friends and family. But even nights like that, some, like something would have pissed Russell off, whether it was something that somebody had said in the media, somebody had written in the paper, whatever it may have been, Russell's going to remember it, and it's not going to matter. <laughs> so um, it was really hard to predict what the vibe was going to be like in the locker room. But one thing for sure that I know for a fact the players loved him. The players absolutely loved him. Whenever guys got traded to Oklahoma City, they would have a preconceived notion of Russell Westbrook as a player, and that would be totally flipped on its head once they spent a few days with him in the locker room on the same team as him. Um, does that mean that every single player enjoyed stress-free, anxiety-free playing with Russell Westbrook? That is a different story, but um, those guys in the locker room, they were all of one voice, and that voice was typically uh, – loudly spoken by Russell Westbrook, and they all followed in line for sure. You mentioned that Russ wouldn't know what the media was saying or wrote. Is, is he the guy that really you got that vibe from uh, as, as the guy that would consume the most content about the Thunder? Or was there someone else who also was reading the, the press clippings? Well, he, I, don't know if he's, I don't know if he's like Kevin Durant, where we know mm-hmm. there is documented evidence that Kevin Durant reads and listens to everything that has to do with him whenever he's mentioned I think Russell has more of a I don't give a damn attitude, what you say, what you think. But he's also a human being. Like he's he's around television sets, he's around newspapers, and he has a phone in his hand at all times, just like everybody else. So if his name is mentioned, which is pretty frequently because he's Russell Westbrook, it's impossible for him not to see it, not to hear it, not to consume it in some way. And if a lot of it's negative, it's going to give him a certain um, idea or an attitude of how to deal with the media. And I try to do my best to always understand Russell Westbrook's point of view because, you know, in a weird way, like this even this still feels odd saying, but in a weird way, when he was with the Thunder, he was a coworker of mine. I had to see him and talk to him every single day 
the Thunder were town or if I was fortunate enough to go cover the team on the road like I was a handful of times. Um, I don't really want to say anything or ask him something that I know is going to piss him off because I have to see him next week, next month, tomorrow. Um, I did my best to do the, the best job that I could possibly do, uh, mainly just to understand his point of view, and that's how I chose to cover him as a player. I think that that's what fans don't really understand a lot of the times is that, like, yeah, the media does have a job and a responsibility to ask players questions, but they also can't just go on there and attack people because you're right, you've, you've got to see them every single day if you're a beat reporter, uh, and you've got to see them frequently if you're not a beat reporter anyway, if you're going to go to games. So you can't just go in there and, and ask the most vicious question that that anonymous Twitter account user wants you to ask. Yeah, what, the, what the hell is that game. turnover, Russ? Yeah, what the hell <laughs> is that turnover in the fourth? Like, you, you don't approach it that way at all. <laughs> Unless you just want to get ushered out of the locker room. That's, that's been the two funniest things, just you know, wa- watching all this unfold, is people asking about Andre Robertson. Like, okay, I know as much as you guys know about Andre Robertson. Uh, and then asking you to ask a player something that's totally out of bounds that you obviously cannot ask them or acting as if you haven't done your job because you didn't ask them about that turnover. Like what's that going to accomplish? Yeah. And and look, players are smart. Russell Westbrook is smart. Um, They know that there are times where they have to answer tough questions. And for the most part, when Russell had to be asked tough questions, as long as it wasn't by Barry Trammell, Russell (laughs) would at least give you something. It, It may not be the answer that he truly believes it may not be the answer that you may want as a journalist or you want to hear as a fan but he would typically for the most part give you a lot but um, without having to fast forward because I know we'll kind of jump in and out of the timeline here but um, I will say towards the very end so in the Portland series of the last year with Russell Westbrook and Paul George it got more than just uncomfortable It, it got downright embarrassing how Russell Westbrook was conducting himself Um, to the point where I thought it was a fair question to ask Sam Presti in that following exit interview of, look, you guys clearly run your organization a certain way and want to be viewed a certain way. So is it a bad look when your star player, Russell Westbrook, acts in this fashion? It's like, we know he's not a crook. We know that Russell Westbrook isn't a bad person off the floor by any means, but is this the look that you want for your organization? Presti thought it was a fair question and gave me a really good answer. So it was something that it wasn't just uncomfortable for us as media. And from a fan standpoint, I would imagine if you're a Thunder fan, it's like, yeah, you're like gung-ho Russell Westbrook, us against the world. But I don't know if I'd be championing that uh, Russell Westbrook saying next question to everybody in a piss poor attitude after getting downright dominated in a first round playoff series. uh, If that makes any sense. It totally does. I, I was with you. I was so upset with the way that Russ Westbrook handled his himself after those games, because that wasn't just getting dominated by Portland. You got embarrassed by Ricky Rubio the year before. At some point, you've got to face the music, and you're not just this invincible superhuman that can just continue to say next question to guys who you hate for kind of no reason in the media. I mean, they haven't, no one's really done anything but coddle the thunder in the media, honestly. I mean, since the team moved here. I mean, what other market gets a headline retracted because because a player doesn't like it with the Mr. Unreliable thing. I mean, what other market would do that for their team? So it, I felt like it was unfair at the end, the same way you did about how Westbrook treated the media after the Portland loss. Yeah, and it, it's it's a fine line because I understand, like, it, it's when you think about it, it's silly that otherwise unathletic, weird, odd, socially awkward-looking people – have the audacity to ask a superstar athlete a tough question about their job. Like, I mean, imagine somebody, 
um, asking you, Rylan, a, a question that, you know, from somebody that didn't do your profession, asking you negative questions about how you're doing your job. I can imagine how that rubs people the wrong way. I can imagine how that can rub players the wrong way. But um, when you get dominated on the floor and you're playing professional basketball, I mean, there are questions to be answered and you can either be straight up about it and say, this is where we screwed up and that's embarrassing and that's on me. Um, you can downplay it and then leave it up to fans and media to make their own decision. Or you can act like Russell Westbrook did and basically appear like everyone appear as if everybody's opinion of you is true. Um, you brought up the Ricky Rubio game. I thought that was one of the more embarrassing performances of any superstar athlete, regardless of sport that I have ever seen. Uh, that was, it was such a terrible look. It was just such a bad look that a player like Russell Westbrook was going to pick a personal fight with a player of the level of Ricky Rubio, who's fine, but he's nowhere near Russell Westbrook, nowhere near him at all. And Russell Westbrook picked a personal vendetta against him at the absolute detriment of his team in a game that they desperately needed to win. That was such a bad look. And Russell's attitude afterward really reflected that of a player who would let that happen to him. So um, I understand the stresses and the annoyances that these players have to endure uh, from a media standpoint, but we're only asking you questions based on what you do on the floor. It's not like we're just asking you mean questions to be mean. If, you, if you're not going to act like a fool on the floor, we're not going to ask you foolish questions. Yeah, and, and nothing, is out of, nothing that has ever been asked to Russell Westbrook has been out of bounds. And so whenever he would do the next question thing, it's like, okay, this is part of your job. You have to, you have to field questions on this. You can either say the, what, what truly happened or you can give a non-answer, coach-speak answer. Either way is fine. But whenever you do next question every single time, it gets really old. And to your point, I mean, yeah, it, it wouldn't feel that good to be asked after every single podcast how, how I think I did. But if I had terrible audio quality <laughs> on a podcast and someone DM me on Twitter saying, hey, that was terrible audio quality, I've got to raise my hand and say, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, next time I'm going to mess with my settings, and I'm going to get it right. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. But again, like, it doesn't, it really shouldn't take away from the historical and even in the moment aspect that Russell Westbrook is still a top 15 player. I mean, we're even seeing that this year with the Houston Rockets, where it looked like that the Houston Rockets experiment with Russ and James wasn't going to work at all. But over the last two months, of the season until it got put on hiatus because of COVID-19. Um, the Rockets were becoming much, much better, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that Russell Westbrook was playing at a high level. The guy can still move the needle in the NBA. The guy is still an athletic supernova of an athlete. And just like Allen Iverson, because I've, I've said this time and time again, just like Allen Iverson, his game and his legacy is going to age much better because when he's gone, when he's retired – and the emotional roller coaster ride that is following Russell Westbrook will be removed. And you can just basically sit back and remember the greatness and see all the cool numbers. That's when his legacy, I think, will be better appreciated. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.